and welcome to Wheel Nerds. This is episode 192. I'm Chuck. And I'm hurting. We're going to be talking about motorcycles. And how not to ride them. <laughs> this sounds not entirely hypothetical. No, no, it's not hypothetical. Is that a cane? That That's a, that's a, a ski pole that's currently functioning as a cane. As <laughs> a cane. Yeah. <laughs> Just remember, Chuck, if you can't be a good example, then you can at least be a warning to others. <laughs> So what happened, Todd? Well, so I was I was doing the uh, the uh, rider coach prep for the new BRCU this weekend. Um, BCR, BRCU, the BRC updated version, the oh. new MSF BRC. It's okay. actually really good. Okay, I'm actually I'm very I'm very pleased with it. Um, but uh, so I was uh, you know during during that you do peer teaching where uh, two of the uh, coaches go out and the coach and the rest of you ride the ride. And so you variously do things on purpose that students would do to, you know, A, screw with them a little bit because it's fun, and B, to, you know, let them score you differently. Okay. So, you know, I came into the braking chute, and I just had the throttle pinned as I came to a stop and just held it there. You know, because students do that all the time. I did that. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> so I did that one, and I was like, yep, yeah, feeling pretty good. And I, I was feeling pretty good about myself. You know, I've been, I've been doing okay in the class. I've been, you know, I studied beforehand, and it paid off. I was, you know, uptaking what they were talking about. I, my coaching went pretty well. Okay. And, you know, so I was feeling, you know, as my wife puts it, she said, I was, she was feeling possibly a little cocky. And, you? Uh, I know. It's difficult to believe. Get the hell out of town. So we're, we're doing the, uh. Golly, the, no. So we're, we're doing that. We're doing no, the. No, not you. I know. I know. It's hard to believe. <laughs> so we're doing the swerve bit. And, uh, you know, we're all doing basically, some people are just doing the swerve. Some people are deliberately like hitting cones. Some people are coming too slow, too fast, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um. And the suggestion comes out like, oh, somebody should do like, do the swerve by the numbers, but make it like a really big swerve. And a couple people look over at me because I'm currently not doing anything fancy. And I'm like, yeah, I can do a real big swerve. Okay. I can do a real like high effort swerve. Like, what, Okay. So what do you mean by a, a big swerve? So, so w- when you do a swerve, you do two counter steers, right? One to the right, one to the left, say okay. in this case, um, and you're staying in the little S. Yeah, and there, well, and there's you're staying inside the the lines, right? So you go through the launch, you go through the the Q cones, and then you swerve to the right. And so you can anticipate by going way to the left and coming at it, so you straight line between the cones and the place you go, mm-hmm. and you lose points for that. But if you come in a straight line to the left side of the cones and you do like a fucking superhero swerve and still wind up in the lane. Mm-hmm. Some students might, some people might score that as anticipated and some might score it as real deal when it would actually be a real deal thing. Okay. So I'm like, I can do that. I can do a big ass swerve. I'm a good swerver. I'm good. I'm a good swerver. I'm, I'm good at this. I got this. I got this. <laughs> Everybody. Wait, wait, wait. Spoiler. He did not got that. <laughs> so, uh, so I'm going up and, you know, I'm going to do it and everyone's going to be super impressed, which is, if that ever goes through your head, listeners, like everyone's going to be really <laughs> impressed by this. And you're thinking about how impressed they're going to be? Stop what you are fucking doing. <laughs> Whatever it is, I don't care what it is, fucking stop. This is going to get me praise. Yeah, you need to stop whatever you're doing. Women are going to fall head. from the sky. Yeah, so I go to do the swerve, and my right-hand swerve is suitably heroic. I mean, like, bike is way the shit over. Uh-huh. I'm going to the right, and Dragon I go for the knee. left-hand one I, I would have had I not been swerving and keeping my body upright. Okay. Um, I go for the left-hand one, and it was so impressive and so awesome that I impressed the bike's tires right off of the fucking ground. Um, TU-250 lands on my leg, and the two of us slide together for a little ways on the parking lot. 
Where you dragged your knee and your lower leg. And my knee and, and my lower ankle. leg. Yes. So my, <laughs> and your foot. So if you're, if you're thinking your Carhartts are going to last a while, I have some disturbing news. They will last okay. If they're the double-walled ones, like the real real deal Carhartts. Like these? Like yeah, the like I you're wore. wearing. Yeah. Those will last you a while. Yeah, it didn't um, look like the ones you had on that I saw were. No, they were they were they were like, like heavier pants. than normal jeans, but they weren't like the full on work pants. Okay. So I, I would not get too excited about how far they're going to last you because mine I think lasted about a fucking foot, mm. and they were gone. So if you're wearing jeans, yeah, they ain't going to last. I've checked. <laughs> <laughs> I was going. I was. Dra- I I don't know how far I went because of course by the time it was done, I just rolled over on my back and went. Ow, ow, <laughs> fuck, ow, that really fucking hurts. Mommy. Now, how fast do you think you were going? I was probably going anywhere from 15 to 20, so not fast. Okay. And it still hurts like a bitch, in case anyone was curious about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and surprising. And surprising, yeah. And I, 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 lid, uh, I, I slid along the, you know, you know those little, like, lace keepers on your shoe, the little metal ones? Yeah. Yeah, the one of them is ground down to, like, a thin, wafer-thin piece now wow. on one shoe. Yeah. Um, happy news. So I went to get, got a trip to the ER. That was fun. Um, <laughs> did you get a lot? Wait, wait. Did you get counseled out of the class? <laughs> so ironically, <laughs> I had already done all the things I needed to do for the class at the time that this happened. <laughs> you know, I had, I had basically, I got to go take the written test. And I'll the <laughs> take the written test. Sarah, if you're listening, you need to add a question. Oh, sir. Do you slide on the pavement? Sir, sir. <laughs> yes or is no? It, is it a good idea to lay it down in the swerve? <laughs> Hint. No, it's not. <laughs> Jesus Christ, it hurts. Uh, fortunately, nothing's broken. Okay. Um, but my, my, everything from like the knee down on the left leg is basically swollen and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm just waiting for it to turn into like the mass of horrible, disgusting bruises. Yeah. Little road rash on the knee, which it turns out is not healing well. I did not know that about road rash, but it isn't freaking healing. Like I got band-aids over it, but like it's not scabbing over really. Neosporin? I, I don't know, man. Yeah. So that sucked. Um, I highly recommend if you're thinking that you're going to do something impressive, you stop. <laughs> Stop and rethink what you're doing, because you have entered stupid town. So you were you were the bad example for all the other rider coaches. Yeah, that's kind of what it feels like. So what would be worse now that you've done this? Mm. Doing that in front of a group of rider coaches, or doing that in front of your students? Students. Okay. Yeah. The rider coaches are like, "Damn, dude." You okay? I'm like, yeah, they're all like helping me out, being all nice and stuff. You know, none of them are like freaking frightened and scared away. I don't want to ride motorcycles now. Yeah, I'm done with motorcycles. Um, but you know, that, the, the, yeah, yeah, better than students by far. But yeah, that sucked. That sucked hard. I'm walking, I'm thankfully no bones broken, like I said, but God damn, does it hurt. Ugh. <laughs> uh. Well, I'm I'm glad you're not hurt. Thank you, thank you. I mean, badly. Mm-hmm. You know, I was a little worried about you know broken foot I, stuff. I was extremely worried about broken foot. The foot spent quite a lot of time underneath that TU sliding far. So, yeah. uh, what happened to your bike? Uh, well, the the TU is now the the headlight of the TU, which was previously banged too far to the left, is now too far to the right. Um, but the <laughs> That's not the bike I'm talking about. Oh, you're talking about the bandit. Yeah, because you, you couldn't, you went to the hospital. Yeah, I went to the hospital. I had to have somebody come ride the bandit. Mm-hmm. And there's only one person in town who I would trust to ride a sidecar, especially one like the bandit, which is a trifle of a handful compared to most. How'd that go? 
So wait, wait, wait. Let's not let's not jump ahead of ourselves. Okay. Out of a group of all those writer coaches and writers that you know, mm-hmm. there was one man, mm-hmm. one man above all others that you thought the call to ride your bike. Yeah, he's the only one who owns a sidecar. And who is that man? That was you. You're goddamn right. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm like, what am I going to do with this fucking sidecar? Because my left foot is not shifting anything right now. <laughs> and I'm like, well, Chuck doesn't live too far from here, and I actually trust him to ride the thing. So, yeah, okay. Well, because, you know, it's like the Ural. Like, you know, mm-hmm. throw somebody who doesn't know how to ride a sidecar in the Ural. Mm, it's like, mm, it's an uncomfortable feeling. Were you uncomfortable about me riding it? Not really. No. Other than, other than you know, compared to, well... I'll be interested to hear your impressions. <laughs> it uh, it does not ride like a Ural does. It doesn't. It rides like a bike, uh-huh. except uh, when you get on the gas or get on the brake, it it leans one way or the other. It kind yeah. of tucks, yeah, it wants to tuck in, yet yeah. yaw, it wants to yaw. Mm-hmm. Other than that, it was it was a blast to ride. It was very felt very stable. Yeah, I, yeah. I got I got the geometry right the last time. Yeah, like, it, was it, it was rock solid. Lots of swearing, but yeah, I I actually felt. Uh, more at ease taking right turns on that bike than mm-hmm. I do on the Euro. Well, it is, it is like uh, eight inches wider, mm. which helps. Yeah, that helped a lot. Mm-hmm. That bike was blast to ride. Cool. I couldn't get Sophie in it though. Really? Yeah, that's surprising. I, you know, because I, I mean, I, partly because the sidecar was so full of my shit, there was no room. But well, I mean, I rode it back to my house, mm-hmm. and I she, she it was my weekend with her. She comes mm-hmm. down, and I'm like, look. She's like, where'd you get that? I'm like, oh, it's Todd's. I'm I'm borrowing it. You want to go for a ride? She comes over and she looks, taps on the windshield, windscreen, mm-hmm. yeah. and she's like, "No, that's not that's not going to keep anything off me." <laughs> and she walked back in the house. I'm like, "But this bike's really but, fast. It's fun." But, and but, she's like, "But this is only like four inches." So, so the funny thing is, is actually the uh, the the uh, that lower windshield on the Texas sidecars is a much sought after addition. Mm-hmm. Apparently, it's much better airflow than the big stalker. I told it doesn't create her a little vacuum I thought back there. it would. It would just, it would like, you know, push the arrow over her head. She'd be fine. She's like, no, I like the arrow. She, the, the big windshield on the arrow. And she uh-huh. went and she hugged it. The barn door? Okay. Well, yeah. I got I'm like, but, but this bike looks like it'd be but just an excuse to go fun. just fucking whip this bike around. No. Just go flog it around a little. No, so I just flogged it around with your shit in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is viable ballast. Yeah. Yeah. But then the bike went missing. Yeah, I don't yeah. have it anymore. It's not. It's not here. No, it's just. Uh, it's weird. It's. It's gone. Huh. It's mysterious. I. I there's a. I, I hear you got a phone call about it. I, I did. I did. It was. I. I don't fully understand it. Hello, Todd. We have had soup. If you ever want to see it again, you're going to bring a lot of Taco Bell and. Uh, a whole bunch of uh, the no protein shakes to Chuck's house. No, not Chuck's house. Not uh, to, to, to the GNC by Chuck's house. Then you're going to wait in the back, and uh, there'll be a, a box, and you can put all the Taco Bell in there. There'll be a, be a lot of Taco Bell and, and hot sauce and uh, vanilla protein shakes, not that uh, chocolate crap. Once you do that, you will receive further instructions. So I guess it's a ransom note? Sounds like one. Mm. Yeah. Uh, you should probably. I could tell you how to get to that GNC. Oh, okay. If you need to. Okay. Yeah. I need to get some vanilla, not the chocolate shit, and some uh, and some yeah, tacos and tacos. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's a Taco Bell real close by to that. Oh, okay. That's, that's uh, sort of convenient, actually. I mean, whoever it is sounds very cranky. Like they're not hitting their protein for mm-hmm. the day. Mm-hmm. So you know. Yeah. So they could do something to the bike. They could. I mean, who knows? Mm-hmm. They yeah. they could probably pick it up. There's no telling. Yeah. So 
I yeah, I could help you with that. Okay. Yeah. Appreciate yeah, they that. sound real dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. You're a good friend. <laughs> I am a good friend. A I was friend. asleep. <laughs> you were asleep when I called you? Yeah. I was because it was like ten thirty in the morning. I sleep in on the weekend. I've been I've been I've been at it for like four hours at that point, so <laughs> I was, I, we were all sleeping in. <laughs> we were all doing the, I'm having not a fun time. Yeah. Yeah. So you actually don't know this part. Mm-hmm. Um, Bella's got cancer. Oh, yuck. Mast cell disease. Oh, yuck. They, I knew she was sort of like lumpy and. Yeah. So they thought at first it was an infection in her lymph nodes. Mm-hmm. Turns out she's got mast cells in the front and her hind lymph nodes. Oh, Christ. Yeah. So she's not doing super great. She getting around okay? Feeling crappy? What's the word? Um, the doctor's giving her a bunch of steroids, prednisone, mm-hmm. okay. and uh, Tramerol painkiller. Yeah, that's got her pretty bounced out. Yeah. We're trying. There's a dog only cancer therapy that's not chemo uh-huh. called uh, Palladia. Uh-huh. We're trying that out. Okay. Um, I don't know if I want to put her through chemo. Yeah, I don't, I, I, that doesn't, that's, that's kind of the same thing I came to with Daisy. Is at what, at what level of treatment does the dog just not understand what's going on and just, just terrified the whole time? Yeah. You know? I mean, it sounds like the chemo for dogs isn't as bad as it is for people. But again, it's like, well, I gotta keep thinking about quality of life here. Yeah. And, and she's what, like 14 or something? She's, she's old. 12. Yeah. She's 12. 12. Okay. Yeah. So, so she's, she's up there. Pretty old. Yeah. Especially for her breed. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. She's up there. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, if I didn't do the Palladia mm-hmm. stuff, uh, the prednisone, the painkiller stuff is what they would do mm-hmm. as a, a, a palliative mm-hmm. solution just to try to keep her sure, comfortable. Yeah. And they're like, you know, if you want to try the Palladia on top of that, we can do it all together and then see what happens. See what happens. Hmm. Yeah. That sucks, you know what really sucks? The, the shittiest part about this, mm-hmm. um, when the vet told me. You know, she's got cancer. It's it has spread to her kidneys. We're pretty sure it's in her stomach. Oh. Um, I'm like, well, all right, well, how long? Because you, you know, it's what you ask. Yeah, well, how long? Ask. He's like, a uh, couple months, so around December. Hmm. I'm like, motherfucker! My dad died in December. My mom died in December. Fucking me and Chris Kringer are going to have words someday. It's gonna be a punch up. I don't understand what it is that. Just me and this and Christmas uh, just can't get along anymore. Nice, Jesus Christ. Yeah, like my uh, my dad died the 18th, my mom died the 21st. Fuck. Right? And when my dad died, I was going through my divorce. Oh yeah, just just one thing after another. Right? Just pile it on. Just fucking. Yeah, it was. It's. I just know me and Christmas. Just we don't have good times. <laughs> you stop. You need to stop procrastinating all the bad shit for December. I think you spread that shit year. out, right? Yeah, you, you just kind of like widen it out over the years. Yeah. Fuck. So I, I don't know. So it, it, yeah, this is. So the, the upshot of that or downshot mm. is I won't be able to go to IMS yeah. because uh, Ouch. the dog therapy is expensive. Yeah, it's rather spendy. <laughs> I expect. So I can't go to Long Beach. <sighs> Um, yeah. So I won't be in Long Beach to beat up Larry. Mm-hmm. From, Another time. From creative writing, yeah. No, you, you, you just wait for it. Yeah. I mean, if he goes to, just think of it, if he goes to Vegas and goes to AIM next year, then we'll be able to. We'll have a gang up on him. Tag team him. You know, Rose going to 
is planning to come to Vegas cool. with, with us. So there'll be awesome. us, three of us there. Excellent. So he can just run that camera and we'll mm-hmm. tag team interview. Whoosh. We'll look professional as shit. Hello. <laughs> We're the wheel nerds. Have you heard of us? Just no. say yes. <laughs> That's because we're a scrappy indie podcast. Here's your restraining order. Scrappy indie podcast. <laughs> so, yeah. It blows. Know, it blows. And, you know, if you need help getting your bike back, I'll go with you. Okay. I'll make sure. If you want, I'll handle because your foot's hurt. Mm-hmm. I'll handle the drop off. That would be really helpful. In fact, could I just give you some money to go buy those things? Absolutely. That would be a big help. I can do it that. It hurts like hell to get in and out of a car. I, I can handle that for you. I okay, will do, sweet. I will good. do that for That's you. good. I'm a good friend. Mm-hmm. You, sir, are a good friend. <laughs> You're such a good friend. I think it's time to go shopping on your behalf. Yay. To the classifieds. Dun 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 dun. Do we need a classified theme song now? Dun dun. Get Joe Joe Pop on the phone. Classified. It blew. Okay. What the fuck? Starting off with a 2016 Ice Bear Trike for thirty five hundred dollars. Lady owned, like brand new. The lady or the bike? Less one hundred miles. Less than. Less than. Less one hundred miles. Less. It has less than 100 miles? It's lady, brand new less 100 miles? Like brand new minus? What? I, this looks like a mobility scooter had sex with a regular scooter. It does a bit. Yes. Yes, it looks like it definitely has that look about it. Like a Chinese Bergman clone with a, yeah, with a mobility scooter back end that's like slightly too narrow for me to feel really comfortable about it. Yeah. I mean, the tip over lines are like under your elbows on this thing. I don't know if I'd feel all that good about it. No. Mm. No, I, I'd, uh, I'd... How much do they want? 35? 35. Ice bear. Ice bear trick. Ice bear. I don't know. No idea. Weird. Okay. Yeah. No, pass. Pass? <laughs> but look, it's got a fine trunk and, and mobility scooter wheels, which are, as, which are notably good on the ice. Okay. All right. I've been thinking I need to look cooler. So I need I need I need someone to sell me looking cool on All a right. sport bike. I need to I need to feel it. This is your first time riding your new Hayabusa the bike night. Ooh, this is a good start. After envying your buddies' busas for some time, you're now you've now officially joined the club. I'm trying not to look at other dudes' busas. As you roll up with your new ride, you're filled with a sense of pride, sliding in next to your fellow Hayabusa owners. Wait a minute. This is not just the ultimate sport bike. It's your ultimate sport bike. Huh. Now this this ad copy is professionally written. This is not a Craigslist ad. This is straight from the brochure. I have I have serious doubts about the, <laughs> the professionally written. I like I like too the fact that the brochure is clearly like over the Oh, that's actually your picture with beers in the background. Yeah, that is my picture of beers. This was uh this was a flyer I picked up at the AM Expo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um this this was someone was paid to write this. Yep. Someone else was paid to approve this. Yep. yep. <laughs> and then somebody printed this and got it out and distributed it. And clearly, nobody read it. <laughs> <laughs> it's the ultimate sport. I bike. mean, then again, I don't know what they're. Uh, get ready to get ready to impress people with a bad decision. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I, I now in fairness, this is old, right? I'm like this thing. This thing hasn't been updated in years. Mm-hmm. Um. Is it is it the kickstand club that they're selling to at this point? It sounds like because bike night. Yeah, that's, that's that's not that's not sporty bike kids. 
Yeah, that's that's uh, that's the Kickstand Club. Mm-hmm. That's uh, you've joined, and they're saying you've joined the club. No, you just you, by buying this, you are automatically a member of the Kickstand Club. That's yeah, that's what it's about. You are on the inside. When Remember when Busa's used to be cool and uh, professional football quarterbacks would go through windshields mm-hmm. with them? Yeah, yeah. Now they're just now they're just. I think uh, they've lost a certain amount of it. They're, now they're kickstand club fodder. I feel an urge to buy one now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, now that the cool has passed, I'm a man of a certain age. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What the fuck? Speaking of things for a man of a certain age, awesome deal, Magna Utah free. Wait a fucking second. <laughs> Hang on, that's not far. I gotta go. <laughs> Double lot road king with every option you ha. You think of even for 10k or make offer sell due to divorce need gone asap. Make me a offer. The worst I can say is no. I can even rake guns and cash. <laughs> just need it gone. What? What? You know what this is? This was a dude sitting across the table from his ex-wife's divorce lawyer mm-hmm. <laughs> thinking, oh, shit, I need some money. <laughs> Could be. And he's just, like, typing with his thumbs, not looking at the screen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it could be that. I think this is also, this could be one of those, you know, trap ads. A trap. Yeah. It's written so poorly, though. Yeah. Yeah. I love that they say it's free. But then they say they want 10000 Think of even big board, 10K or make offer. He uh, wants 10K. Yeah. Sell to divorce. Need gone. ASAP. Make me an offer. I can even trade guns and cash. Take take guns Yeah, and I cash. think he means take. Okay, I can even take guns I can guns rake and guns. Cash. You know, I have so many guns that I have to use a rake <laughs> to clean them up in my garage. I can I take mean, guns just, and cash. Okay. So much easier that way. I should pick them up individually. It'd take you years. I yeah there there are so many so many red flags here. That picture is not. Uh, it's not the most well. Notably, it has big stupid ape hangers. Yeah, you know, so it's unrideable. Big speakers. Uh, big speed. Well, you got to have the big speakers. Yeah, you know. <laughs> what is that? I don't know. <laughs> Songs to fuck your sister by. <laughs> uh, speakers like that on a Road King from the two thousands. Yeah. <laughs> New from Keiko. Songs to fuck your sister by. Available at fine Walmarts. <laughs> All right, that's not our tribe. We need right. something from our tribe. 1997 Suzuki Gixxer 750 Project Bike. <laughs> I bought this bike two years ago as a project bike. Okay. I rode it twice last year, but mm-hmm. that's it. Mm-hmm. Life just got in the way for me to fix it. Mm-hmm. I know that the bolts for the seat are lost. Okay, I guess I. Well, you it needs a tune-up. Sure. And the battery needs replaced. Uh, then how do you know it needs... The bike has 20,000 miles on it. I did not lay it over, but the previous over tipped it. The previous owner tipped it when he showed me the bike. Uh-huh. It has been garage kept since I have had it. I would rather see someone else give it TLC than for it to sit around my garage. Not getting TLC. Local pickup only. Thank you. I can't get the text for some reason, but email me. Yes. My phone this is, is weird. This is a trap. <laughs> My phone is weird. It has a big old Autobot sticker on it. Yeah, my phone service is weird. I am not in a shop. This is not stolen. Please do not contact me via untraceable means. That would be wrong. $800. $800. Yeah. So, um. Alamosa, Alamosa Colorado. Yes. So okay. there it is. It's. It's sitting in a barn. 
Yes, that is a fair description of its current state of affairs. It um, uh, poor sad bike. I didn't drop it though, Chuck. No, it was that the, other guy. The previous guy it was the did. Other it guy when he was showing it. What was his name? Uh, uh, Steve at Steve <laughs> dot Steve. Why are you giving me an email address? <laughs> I shit. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Exactly. This, this is your house. Why are you running away? I don't know actually where I'm going to run away to. I really didn't think this through. Yeah, I should. Lock up when you're done. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's sad. But now here's the thing. Let's mm-hmm. say I go and I buy a Suzuki Gixxer 750 project bike. Okay. I could work it in my garage here. Or I could try to come up with something a little fancier. A lot cooler. A lot cooler. All right, so we're on with, brace yourself, listeners, there will be a test afterwards. We're on with Brian from Skidmark Garage, Corey and Lori from Engine and Frame, Dave and Jen from Cerberus, and Matt from Moto Garage. Did I miss anybody? Nope. Sweet. Nope. Good. So these are all the folks who run community garages. If you want to do some wrenching and don't necessarily have all the right tools or the know-how or some combination of the two, these are the people you should call in your town. How's it going, everybody? All right. How you doing? Doing very good. We should probably get, like, names with voices. Yeah, yeah. Let's go with names with voices. Let's do a roll call. Brian, introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about your garage. You have two minutes, and if you run out of time, we'll make annoying noises. All right. Uh, I uh, have a 10,000-square-foot community garage. I've got 10 bays fully stocked. I've got about 23 members right now that are consistently paying to come in and work on their own bikes, and I've got a big lounge. I just had a wedding here on Saturday night. Uh, got a big bar and yeah i rent it out on the weekends or i rent it out whenever just to make a couple extra bucks so i can stay in business and someone decided to rent this filthy place out for a wedding i've got uh enough storage in the back for all the winter bikes that'll be coming in here just did the aim show having a uh charity ride to raise money for puerto rico this weekend and just shit coming down the pipe and now you're in cleveland right i am in cleveland yes Cool. All right. Corey and Lori, tell us your outfit. We run Engine and Frame. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, same deal, community garage. Based out of we're, where? We're in Richmond, Virginia, uh, the greatest city on the planet. We also do full service on motorcycles as well because the community garage is not busy enough to sustain. So I, I fix bikes as well. I'm a certified Harley mechanic. I did the school and did the dealership thing for a while. And, um it sucks, so. <laughs> so do this instead. We have three bays yeah. and fully stocked. We have a pretty big fabrication area as well. A bunch <clears throat> of mag tig and wearing more awesome machinery to teach more classes on fabrication. But we do a lot of classes. We're doing an electrical course coming up in November. And we're doing a swap meet next weekend on the 15th of October. Just getting ready for the wintertime when it's going to be slow so we can make a lot of dumb videos and uh, <laughs> try to keep ourselves occupied. And do more fabrication. Yeah. Build more bikes. No, just yeah. call them when I need the leading link front end. Check. Yeah. Cool. All right. Dave and Jen, tell us about your show. Um, we are Dave and Jen from Cerberus in San Diego. Hey, San Diego! Uh, San Diego, you yeah. uh, America's finest city. Um, <laughs> That's the official logo. Official logo. Uh, we are the longest running consistent co-op uh, in North America. Uh, when we started, there was Moto Method in Vancouver, 
British Columbia, and there was Rising Sun Workshop in Sydney. Uh, they've both since gone away, which is sad, but it happens. We have now 6,000 square feet, and we have 10 fully operational workshop work bays. Uh, I also have three custom-build work bays that me and Jen operate separate from the membership. We've got, you know, the typical welders. We got a, a mill. We got a couple of lathes. We got a small paint room. Uh, we've got two lounges. We got a fancy lounge. It's all pretty and retailish, and it's, it's got a lounge a, off. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lounge off. Uh, I got an eight foot wide pull down movie screen that we do movie nights, and we got one coming up on October twenty first. Someone I saw had a foosball table, and, and we're work. awesome. Are you going to do the we're wheel nose commentary? Dude, uh, and then I've got in the members area, we've got the Dirty Lounge, which is, you know, for all your greasy bastards that come in and work. Uh, you can sit on my greasy road couch and you can play darts and have a beer. So we have a full retail area. We are um, a WD-40 dealer and soon to be a Motul dealer. But we also specialize in all San Diego-based companies um, retail. So we're the only place that carries the new Viz heads-up display. So you can come in and <laughs> all about. And we deal with Baja Designs and Airtech Streamlining, and we've got we've got a lot of good companies in San Diego that specialize. Okay, we in- get it, San Diego. You're done. <laughs> all right, Matt, Matt over at Moto Garage. <laughs> so Moto Garage here. We're based out of Schaumburg, which, if you're not aware, it's a, it's a suburb of Chicago, oh, we're totally so America's right. safest city. Um, <laughs> we're not gonna not gonna mention our square footage. Don't make anybody else on this phone call feel insecure. Um, wow. But we've got we've got three bays, uh, a fab area. Each of our bays comes with a. I think our, our competitive edge. We've got, um, which I think is a lot of other shops are taking into consideration is computers each of the bays. So oh, everyone cool, can yeah. kind of look up um, parts and diagrams stuff like that. We're Nerd. getting do yeah. We we actually. Uh, interesting tidbit: uh, the Sons of Technology Chicago chapter is being <laughs> started out of our shop. It's a uh, Texas-based. If you're familiar with Sons of Anarchy, it's a spinoff for uh, Nerd to Ride, um, and we have. Do, uh, do, do they have three-piece patches? <laughs> I, that's a good question. That's a good question. Not not too sure, but they do have um, a, an affinity for uh, anything from from uh, uh, welding to um, you know uh, all the all the gadgetry. Uh, taking apart gauges to the to the boards, so it's pretty neat. We're up to 17 members, which is fantastic. We're averaging about one every other week, adding on since our our, our shift to a different price model. We're coming up on our two-year anniversary this October, so our shop fridge in our lounge doubles up as a kegerator. So I'm sure we'll tap into that for the uh, for the parties. Oh, we're we, gonna have a we're gonna have a bar off here now and in a second. Yeah, <laughs> lounge yeah. off already. Now there's a bar off. Yeah. <laughs> Get a wrench hard, party hard. We've got winter storage and community events, rides, things like that. But um, yeah, looking forward to the winners and through some others on this call to kind of uh, retool and, and recalibrate. Yeah, that's that's Motogrudge. Good job, good job, dude. All right, so we got four garages all across the country. Now, the thing that immediately springs to my mind, and I, uh, by the way, I'm going to sort of run this like panel discussion because I don't know what the hell it's to do with this many people. Right. <laughs> the thing that immediately springs to my mind is I can go from, let's see, Richmond to Cleveland, and I can have a place to work both of those, and I can get to Chicago. It's not a long trip, but I can doodle around. But then i got this big gap to, to San Diego. Clearly, there is a need for a community garage somewhere like, I don't know, Salt Lake. 
Uh, Brian? There are some between Chicago and San Diego, but they're not. Yeah, there's a big there's a big fucking gap. Like, there's one in Minnesota. There's one in Kansas City. There's a couple in Texas. There's one in Colorado. There's a ton of them missing in other places. So if you're riding across. Oh, uh, no, the, the Four Corners area is horrid. There's nobody there. Right. So you're saying a Wheel Nerds Moto Garage is, is overdue here in Salt Lake. Hell Absolutely. Yeah. I think we had yeah. um, Redwood Co-op for a while. Yeah. They, I think they recently closed, and I, I wasn't sure if they were a garage, or what, but they were advertising a co-op model. Sure. So I wasn't sure exactly what their deal was. So talk, talk to us a little bit. About how, how do you start a community moto garage, which at its surface sounds like a thing that doesn't really make money? Todd is writing down a business. I'm plan. writing down a business plan. Help. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 Matt here. It's it's difficult, right? You're essentially creating a business model that doesn't currently exist. So you have to mm-hmm. a convince the market that you have a need for something they currently don't buy. It's essentially like starting a dentistry in a third world country where they don't have dentists. So first, you have to convince the need to to to, to buy into this. Secondly, you have to build the clientele, which is typically the harder part of the two. Mm. So it takes time. The answer is time. It's it's grassroots community level effort. It's it's investing in the members and creating a community that then uh, kind of pushes it out, pushes the message out themselves. So we rely Matt. heavily on the on the community for that. Yeah, Matt. So yeah, absolutely. This is Dave from Cerberus. We we <laughs> we started this. Oh, fuck, back in 2010, 2011. And it started in my garage when I had kids coming with, you know, the the vintage bikes because it started to be cool with all the hipster kids in the in the in the cool areas of San Diego. And uh, nobody would work on them. And it Mm -hmm. got out that I would work on old bikes. And it (laughs) turns out I'd get five or six of these kids in my little single car garage at my house. And I was like, why are you guys just standing around with your teeth in your mouth and drinking my beer? Here's a set of carburetors. Take them apart. It turned into one of those things where they'd start telling their friends that, hey, you know, take your stuff over to Dave and, and he'll 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 get your hands dirty. Jen don't, makes food. Don't and wear we your good flannel. Hangout thing. Uh, and then we decided to make it a real thing. And, but the the problem is, is yes, like Matt said, it is not what you would quote unquote say is an accepted business model. So it's it's hard to get any business business end of things, insurance and licensing and everything else is really really tough. So now, Corey, so, uh, Lori, spring to mind because you guys, you guys have sounds like you had. Did you have the shop first or the community garage first? Then I opened both at the same time because I didn't. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. So I figured that if we could do, if I could do both, it would like double my chances. The community garage is so a nonprofit, so we have both a for-profit and non-profit model. Oh. For, yeah, so that which was, came about because of insurance reasons, really, is how that started. Because I needed to get insurance, and there wasn't an insurance company that would touch the community garage. Oh, because so, there's a bunch of chuckleheads coming in who don't necessarily know how to use air tools. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, and I think I think just the idea of motorcycles freaks out the squares. So they're like, uh, no, you know, um, I was. It became obvious that I just needed, like, I needed an insurance. You know what I'm saying? I wanted my tools covered. I wanted bikes covered. I needed to be able to test ride bikes. Mm-hmm. So 
it became apparent that it's like, all right, let's just separate the two entities. And uh, my accountant was like, suggested the nonprofit thing. And uh, you know, like, huh? yeah, like, sure. And a lawyer. Let's <laughs> try it. Yeah. So I, I uh, it's an accountant yeah. off. <laughs> when you're uh, when you're when your money man tells you to do something, you should you should listen to the money man. And it, and it's a good thing I have both, honestly, because like I said, I don't. It would one. They, I mean, they work really well together for one, but I don't think the community garage would sustain itself on its own at all. Todd, do you get the feeling that these guys are like really, really being subtle and trying to show how big their dicks are compared to each other? No, I don't think there's anything subtle about it. <laughs> well, the funny the funny thing was is we we got everyone on the show. So for the listeners who don't know, we hooked up with Brian initially, and of course, there's this apparently network of community garages. Yeah, there, a lot of like people a, have yeah. the same crazy idea at similar times. It sounds like very supportive of each other. Well, I think I think that kind of comes from most of the time when you tell people you have a community garage, nobody knows what the hell you're talking about anyway. What are you talking about? Yeah. Let's, let's start there. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Yeah. That. So, so, like... We found each other, so if, we all know what we're talking about. If we can all kind of link up and, can, and and tell people what the hell we're doing anyway, then it, it gets to that point where it's like, oh, it's a community garage. I know exactly what that is. You know what I mean? So are you guys renting out garage space? Or I mean, some of you guys have mentioned having members. Is it like a monthly subscription? Is it an hourly thing? How does it work? We do... Both, hourly and monthly, depending on what you want to do. Like, if you want to change your oil, it's hourly, you know, obviously. If you want to do, like, a project, then monthly makes sense. We just try to keep it whatever makes the most economic sense for the customer, I think. And I, I think a lot a lot has to do with, Matt, here, this is a, with, with the demographic where your, where your shop's located, right? If you're in a oh, yeah. very dense residential area in which people do not have garages, mm-hmm. I think the hourly and the daily model works best. Um, we found out being in the suburbs where everyone has a garage, uh, the monthly option works best. So it's kind of like a – essentially, it, the, the first way to explain it, it's kind of like a gym for mechanics, or you're not in it every day, uh, but you pay for the monthly access. Check, put your shirt uh, back on. Yeah. Someone <laughs> said Jim. Back to the dick measuring thing. Um, but then, <laughs> Wait, you have but, to take your shirt off for that? I, I bow out right now. <laughs> it kind of it kind of transformed into more of a mechanical insurance. You know, a lot of people come in and they, they the angle in which you can get them to kind of at least look at look at what you're selling is the making money angle. Um, but the way that they, they stay and the way that the, the movement grows is they stay for the community. So once they realize the business is not a typical model in which we're trying to rake them over the coals every time they step in. I know Dave mentioned old bikes. It's, me- mechanics won't touch old bikes. It's too expensive. Parts, you can't get them on the shelf. So I think we're, we're hitting an a, a interesting demographic. Um, but each CMG is going to tailor their, their model based on where they're located demographically. So now, now that, that brings up an interesting point. Is you talk about the community aspect of it, and how you build that community. And I'm, I'm thinking back to Brian. You were mentioning you had weddings at it, you had events at it, charity rides. Now, do you do you find that that community kind of becomes, I don't know, I guess, does it take on a life of its own after a bit? Uh, it took a life took on a life of its own almost immediately, and thankfully, it was it's fairly predictable. You know, as long as you are able to keep the douchebags out then your community is going to be the kind that 
is constantly showing up to help the other guys work on things. And, you know, like the gym membership for mechanics, it's more mine anyways, is Skidmark is a, is a gym membership for the non-mechanics. I mean, most of the people that come in are, it's their first bike. It's an old Honda. They don't know what they're doing. And so there's a bunch of dudes here that help them figure it out and they keep showing up just to help other guys. And, you know, bike dudes like to help other bike dudes. And, but as far as the events that are happening, those are completely outside of the community of riders that belong to the garage. They're, they're most, most of the events are not motorcycle related events and they're bringing in people that have no clue what the place is about. And the only reason I keep having them a, is to make a little bit extra money and B if a hundred people show up for some kind of event, whether it's a concert or a wedding, one of them is going to have a friend that has that rides and is going to say, Hey, go check this place out. And then I've got a new member out of it. So that's the, one of the ways I've slowly built a, like a purposeful membership here. Does anyone ever bring a car? Everyone asks. And the only cars I will ever even entertain are Volkswagens. You and my Who wife would get along, sir. <laughs> How about the uh, other garages? Any any cars? How about a smart car? Anyone bring in a smart car? Because they're small. No cars, man. <laughs> Just uh, no no, no, Yeah, no no cages over here. There there is a couple. There are two or three community garages that do both. They've got four or five full on car lifts and then like two motorcycle lifts. But they look really high dollar, you know, guys that are retired and they're doing a full on hot rod that probably costs twenty or thirty grand. Mm. Pretty yeah. different market yeah. to do. How about the? Uh, oh hell! What the hell is that piece of shit called? I don't know. Jet skis. No. <laughs> no. Three wheeler. Three wheelers. No. Hell no. ATVs. Hell no. Not the ATV. The, the you're talking about the slingshot. The slingshot. That yeah. That piece of shit. No. No room. <laughs> I say no a lot. That's what I've learned in this whole thing is you just have to say no a lot until you find the right thing. Until you find something to say yes to. So now that brings up an interesting point. Is I, I heard I heard there's a, there's there's clearly a, some anti douche measures that are important to take with a community like this. So uh, what? <laughs> Why do you keep what looking at me when you say that? <laughs> <laughs> What was the question? What, what, are, what, are, what are the anti-douche measures everybody likes to take? I just let Corey talk to them. <laughs> he kind of shut, <laughs> he shuts it down pretty quickly. <laughs> so yes. I think, like, you know, as, as, um, as Brian was saying, you know, we don't have mechanics. We don't. We have a lot of guys who've never turned a wrench. And I think the art of learning mechanics is actually a douche filtering mechanism by itself just because of how humbling it is when you break your shit or you don't know what you're doing. I think um, uh, it takes someone who has a more uh, resilient ego to, to, to take those hits and be humble and, and ask for help. So at our shop, I don't know about you guys, but we've had very, very, very few douchebags come in. Um, and most of the members, I mean, all the members and all the people that come through are actually typically great people. So, you know, knock on wood or whatever we're doing right. So Dave and Jen, how about you? Do you have some anti-douchebag measures it's gonna backtrack a little bit here but the things that we have noticed with our space one is when people come in they're like oh my god you know i I love your idea but i don't i don't think i can afford it or anything like that Hmm. so one thing that we explain to people is like okay think of it this way if you go to a mechanic you're going to be paying an hourly rate to get something done and it's big 
So in San Diego, you're going to pay like, you know, 95 to $105 an hour to get some service done. San Diego's expensive as shit. But um, what we explain is like, okay, so you're going to pay $105 for a four-hour service. So now you just paid 400 and something dollars for something, and you didn't learn anything. Where here, you can pay for, in a sense, two hours of your service, but then you have a whole month to work on your bike. You get to learn how to do it, and you can do whatever you want to your bike. And then when people think of it that way, then they're like, okay, I get it. And I get to learn on it. It's like, but what happens if I don't know how to do anything? It's like, well, we'll teach you. Dave has 27 years experience in anything that you can think of. He pretty much has been certified in any bike except British bikes. But if we don't know it, then he knows someone who knows it. And that's what we explain to people. And that kind of draws people in a little bit more. And to make the little bit extra money, yeah, we rent our our place out for photo shoots. Um, Dave has been an avid antique. Uh, collector so it's amazing for like photo shoots for parts and um, we with Bobster sunglasses which is a like motorcycle glass company glasses company they have taken a couple photo shoots here and we just had a guy come in and do like a um, what was it Surf, uh, snowboards snowboard magazine snowboard back magazine Ugh, sorry so we rent our place out for that so now let me ask you this: since since you're doing photo shoots in the garage, do you have whatever those weird lights are that make like all the hipster bike ads look like the garage is so dark that if you drop a bolt, you'll never see it again? Is that like one <laughs> of the switches on the wall? Yeah, well, we have like four levels of lights in here. It's an it's a stout <laughs> light that are in this place that we have now because it used to be a smoke shop. So yeah, they have twenty million lights. We actually took down fifty six wow. of those lights. So it's like, yeah, we still have a smoke shop. Yep, 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 yep. Where in San Diego are you guys? In the college area. SDSU. So much clearer now. (laughs) (laughs) So half of our shop looks like all fancy with like all this um, shelving units and nice tile floor where the other half, yeah, it looks like a garage, you know, with concrete floor and white walls and everything like that. But mm-hmm. but you don't have the sons of technology like Chicago. Mm. <laughs> well, no. no, not necessarily, but we do have, I mean, our members run the gamut from professional chefs to physics professors at SDSU to an elevator mechanic to uh, aircraft mechanics down at down at uh, Gillespie Field working on 737s and shit. So huh. we and we foster that community and and half of the guys during the course of the week will have you know seven eight guys come in <coughs> during the course of the week three at a time whatever and some of them come just to hang out to see what somebody else is working on. And partake in our uh, kegerator. Yeah. <laughs> so this question's for Brian. What would you say is like the average age group of, of the people who come to your garage? I would say the average is probably late 20s. Oh, really? Okay. Well, maybe I, 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 think, I think that's a good question for everybody because that's a regional yeah. thing. Yeah, the most common is late 20s, but maybe the average is mid-30s. Because I've got some dudes in their 50s and 60s, but I've got a shitload in their late 20s. Corey? Yeah, we're pushing 
like 25 to 32 ish. Pretty much that's everyone that we get as far as the community shop is concerned. All right. Matt? Yeah, I'm at the third that one. 25 to 35 is probably the biggest demographic, but um, then you do get some of the retirees. You get some older guys who, uh, who, who come in too. So I'd say 70%, 25, 35. Dave and Jen, it sounds like you're you're in that mostly that range too. No, actually, I would say that, uh, and I'm really disappointed with this because we're so close to SCSU and it's so conducive to two-wheel transportation mm. we don't have that many uh sub 30 people okay. most of our people are probably in their high 30s into their mid 40s huh. although i guess co- well no because college kids are you know the college kids are working like in the side of the dorm they get the tarp you know on the on the pole <laughs> well, and they're and they're working service jobs where they're working downtown, down the gas lamp, down you know where Comic Con and stuff is, and there's no parking and and blah, blah blah. So they just take Ubers everywhere. I mean, Uber is huge here. Damn. So the the motorcycle transportation thing. I mean, there's there's a sizable amount of people that use motorcycles as transportation, but because of the for the condensation of of domiciles in especially the college area and the uptown area, which we call Golden Hill and and North Park and whatnot, it's cottages. There's no parking, so it's 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 hard to park a bike, and it's even more difficult to work on a bike. And that's one of the reasons why we started doing this because a lot of these guys get into the old bikes and wanting to be cool and whatnot, and some of them take it further than just the cool factor, and they actually start living it, but then they need to work on it. It's it's interesting how that works out, but no, our demographic is probably late 30s, early mid-40s, hmm. where yeah. almost everybody else is younger kids, which I think is great, and I'm trying to figure out how to leverage that because we're so close to San Diego State University. I want, I want your demographic, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> oh, believe me. Oh, believe me, you do, because I've had a few of the college kids and I've actually had to fire a few members because of their propensity for partying. Well, and they're just so smart. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I love them. Yeah, anyone well, trying to throw a rave is- in your garage? Or, uh... <laughs> no, no, it's it's more like it's more like okay. So I understand that you've been doing this for twenty plus years, but I saw a video on YouTube and yeah. the dude and the dude the ton board told me I needed to do this. Oh yeah, exactly. I was on the forum and <laughs> yeah, that's what they told. That's a comment. I'm like, okay, that's cool. You try that. That's a common common approach to how people. I just let them do it. Just let them do no, it. No, man. I saw it on the internet, so it must be true. I let them do it. I'm like, I, I, when I first opened, I would try. I, like, got into, like, you know, mini pissing contests with people. Then <laughs> it was like, you know, all right, that's cool. You already know. You got all the fucking answers. That's why you're here anyway, right? So you go ahead and, and just do whatever you want to do. Corey, dude, seriously? I don't even argue with the internet forums and the internet bullshit anymore because 99% of those people have no freaking clue and I kept beating my head against the wall about it. So I, I don't even, I don't even go there anymore. And yeah, yeah, that's exactly, exactly. 
So uh, uh, now, I, now I want to know, Brian and Matt, do you argue with the internet? <laughs> I am the internet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brian's the one putting out the information that the, all the people take to the other garages. You guys are arguing with fucking me, man. <laughs> Brian, Brian, straight out, Ichiban Moto, dude, he's the god. Ichiban Moto. Ichiban Moto. Ichiban Moto. Ichiban. Ichiban. So, uh, who was at AIM? Was that you, Todd? I was Chuck at AIM. I was here not having fun. Who was the hipster guy you were talking about? (laughs) (laughs) It had to be me, man. I I don't even know who he was. He wouldn't talk. I didn't try to talk to him. He scared me. He was (laughs) tall. He was thin. He was wearing flannel. He had really nice hair, really nice beard, big old thick glasses. His dogs even hate him. Yep. <laughs> I just saw him hanging out in the like Skidmark garage area talking on the phone. Really? <laughs> that was definitely me, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> he was really thin. I do have fucking nice hair, and I am hella thin. So I'm <laughs> I don't know. I mean, the the avatar picture I'm looking at looks like Aquaman. <laughs> Nah, it's just, I'd, like, just smoke a lot of weed. <laughs> just like Aquaman. Yeah. <laughs> so you didn't you didn't approach this hipster guy at AIM? Well, no, because he looked like he was really busy on the phone. Sure he was. He, he was very important talking to somebody on the phone. It's a look you cultivate when you're a hipster. And I could have sworn he was looking for a photo shoot. That's, that's, that's how manicured he looked. He might have been trying to rent out Skidmark for a photo shoot. That's probably what he was doing. Did, did he have a lot of tattoos? I don't remember. Huh. I don't, I don't you know. Chuck's, Chuck's basis for comparison to that is a bit off, so, you know. Uh, I don't have that many tattoos. <laughs> I mean, were his arms covered? I think they were covered with, with actual, like, flannel. <laughs> Brian's, on the, Brian's on the hunt. I think describing me. Are you going through? Are you going through pictures from the AIM Expo right now, Brian, to try to figure out? I'm just afraid that I'm afraid that I'm being defined as like this hipster guy. Oh, <laughs> of I'm, wonder, I'm wondering if he's like. <laughs> so so now I got I got to ask though because the hipster thing. So so we got we got Corey, Brian, and Matt all have and. Uh, and Lori, have you guys all have this, this like, I mean, honestly, this 25 to 35 demographic that, like, everybody selling a motorcycle would just, like, give their left nut to <laughs> to reach. Do you guys get approached by makers or anything? What do you mean by like makers? Motorcycle like, motorcycle manufacturers, manufacturers or, like, gear saying. manufacturers. Like, hey, if you, if you put this up in your shop, that would be sweet, man. No, because I don't think they've caught on yet. And, and you know, when we were at the, that was kind of why we went to the AIM Expo. With Brian, you know, that was the whole point of them inviting the community garages. Oh, hi, we're a thing. Yeah. Oh, I thought yeah. that they were selling beard oil and, and yes. hair, hair, hair products. There was that going on, too. You know, the whole the whole AIM thing, I didn't know what to expect. And then it was like, oh, it's a trade show. That's cool. And then you realize, like, holy shit, the whole motorcycle industry is floundering. Like, they're freaking yeah. out the whole time. It's just like very calmly freaking out in their suits you know what i mean and uh, and you're like okay that's this is and it's funny because it's like i want like the older demographic and i have what you want yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. 
much. Which is a, a very like weird thing to think about. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we we've been we've been approached by by some you know oil manufacturers to try to get some of the stuff stocked in our shelves, but nothing nothing beyond oils, filters, things like that. Beard oh, oil, like you guys. <laughs> Beard <No>. oil filter. <laughs> Is that a thing? I try to steer away from the lifestyle stuff. Yeah, I I kind of hate it honestly. It fucking drives me nuts. I I just it's just about it's about motorcycles. You know what I mean? And it's not about, like, the Internet's made everything too easy, and it's made people too easy to just, like, it's made it too easy for people to just pick an identity and decide that this is who they want to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I don't I don't want to fucking sell that at all, you know, and that's that's not what it's about. I try really hard to stay away from that and make fun of it as much as possible um, <laughs> because I'm an asshole and it's funny to me, so... Now, are yeah. you all? Is, let me put this out to everyone. Are you seeing, for the most part, the older bikes, the over ten year bikes, or is it a whole mixture of bikes coming in? I'd say I'd say it's a full mixture. I mean, we get everything from eighties bikes, like like was mentioned earlier. You know, anything older than ten years, a mechanic's not going to touch. To brand new bikes, um, you know, as we've grown, you see the more more brand new bikes. But I, you know, for, talk about identity. I mean, this whole idea of you ride an 80s bike and you cafe it, you've got to have the tight jeans. It's something we don't see. You know, the guys, they come in, they're not, they're not conforming to a particular identity. They just, they do it for the love of riding. I think you guys hit, hit on the head. Just try not to push an image in, in, in either direction, I think is a good good thing to have. Yeah, you know, and I will, I will agree with uh, Matt on that one. Um, we originally, when we first started, we ended up with a lot of the quote-unquote hipster or skinny jeans kids. But we've morphed most of those guys into actual motorcyclists and then that and then that forms into more of a community which then brings in others i mean i've got guys on of course old cbs and and whatnot and then i've got i got a freaking 2014 uh moto v7 in here right now and we got long bike 70s long bike choppers uh, we have a plethora of different things, and everybody, any time during the day when there's people here, somebody walks in the door, and it doesn't matter who's here, everybody turns around and says, hey, what's up? What are you working on today? It, it, it breaks the stereotypes. With the way we've created our community, we're, we're getting away from the stereotypes. I mean, I've got, I've got patch holders working in here. And then we've got, you know, young lesbian girls that live in Hillcrest, which is three miles away, that just want a little bike to pop around on. And they come in and they feel completely comfortable with, you know, a three-patch holder standing next to them. That's a question to all the other shops. How many uh, women do you have? Currently at in, uh, Engine and Frame, uh, we've got three or four out of the maybe ten. So almost half. Um, I I definitely try to encourage more females to to join the shop. I've done um, women's motorcycle courses, like specifically inviting women only kind of a thing. And just myself wanting more women to ride with. So Mm -hmm. I do the same thing as a, as a female owner of the shop. I really do push. I try to find as many women groups in San Diego and just like, come on, you can learn 
too, because I know the women in the motorcycle industry just get massively taken advantage of when they go to a dealership. And so in here, they can learn and they can understand. And even though, like, the motorcycle shop is normally perceived as a man's cave, we try to get them to understand that it's like, no, it's not that way. And everyone gets along here, and no one puts them down because they're a woman. And we had one girl that was – she can make the men blush because the way she talked. And it was great, and I can do that too. It's amazing how I can make them blush just as much with the language that goes on in here and the stories and everything else. You know, I can say, yeah, that's what she said, you know, as much as they can. That's one thing that all the shops try – that I hope they try to push is trying to get more women into the shops because the women motorcycle industry in the um, – large it's very large and it's growing constantly you know especially with the babes right out thing that's going on in joshua tree this weekend i mean it's a big thing to try to get the women there's lots of women out there and they need to learn how to work on their bikes and they want to but it's just trying to get them in and understand that they can do it yeah i, I think what what at motor garage what we do is you know we tell people you, you, you check your ego at the door when you come in you know, check the ego at the door. Um, I, I think a big part of the CMG movement is one of which it's we're not we're not bringing a community to the shop. We're creating a shop that that creates its own community, and with that, you get Harley riders you know, busting knuckles alongside a, uh, a crotch rocket guy. Something that would simply not happen. And, and I will I will agree with that one hundred percent because generally speaking, there is a separation. Exactly. And it's almost promoted, you know, in the past, just because perhaps the motorcycle community was a bit bigger, whatever, what have you. But these community motorcycle garages, once you're in them, um, and it takes, you, you can see it in, in, in the people that come to the shop. It takes a day or two to saturate and kind of sink in the the lack of uh, pushing, the lack of, of judgment um, when people walk in the shop, whether it be their skill level, you know, their experience on a bike, how old they are. Uh, that thing, those kind of things get tossed out the window when you're trying to lift an engine out of a an 82 GS 550, right? Like everyone chips in and helps out, um, and then yeah. you, you inevitably they create, they create relationships. Then next thing you know, the community shop is it, it spawns. Um, you guys talked about community creation. You know, we Motor Garage we hit a, a critical mass of members. Now we have our own Slack channel that the members talk to on a constant basis outside the shop. During you know non-shop hours, so the, the nerd, <laughs> yeah, guilty as charged. But um, <laughs> it's 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 great to see, right? We're we're breaking mm-hmm. down some of the conformities that were you know been put up over the years, and 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 the the people are are, are geeking out, so to speak. So now the, the interesting point you make there though is that people kind of expect to get talked down to when they walk into a motorcycle shop. Oh, oh absolutely. absolutely. They're, they're, they're almost afraid. When you ask them, I mean, I don't know what you guys do when you get someone new in the shop, but, you know, one of the things I ask is, you know, well, how, what have you done? You know, what kind of wrenching have you completed? And, and, and they're almost, you know, shy to admit they haven't done anything or they've done very little or broke more than they've, they've fixed. Um, but once they, once they get to the, they, they know you're not going to judge them for that, um, that's when they open up and really sink their teeth into it. Skidmark currently has zero female members. All of them have moved away in the past six months, so I am now stuck with all dudes. It's a sausage party extraordinaire here. They all moved away. What did you do? Lions? I, I, I don't know. They helped them fix their bikes, and they bailed. Hey, hey, no, it's, it's hey. completely. 
Lee Bryan. He's just <laughs> too sexy for the uh, female, so they just can't handle it and they leave. What about what about you guys? Do you guys get a lot of significant others? We eat a lot of significant others in the shop, and it's almost created the secondary, you know, community, so to speak. Do you guys get a lot of that in your guys' shop? What do you mean? I, you know, <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Um, I think for me at least, a lot of a lot of the significant others are usually um, the girlfriends or the wives, and I become friends with them and try to encourage them to get a bike and come in and work on it too, at engineering. I do the same thing. I'm like, hey, why aren't you writing? You know, what do you have? It's like, well, I just write on the back. It's like, no, you need to get the class. You need to take the the safety class and just try it out and do it. You know, I, I'm sorry, our dogs. Are <laughs> Are you, are you doing a dog fighting ring? Is that what's going on? Is that what you rent out for? <laughs> Gotta make ends meet. Gotta make yeah, we, we, we ran out of dog fights. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you guys are close to the border, so, you know, there's a market. Jen, Jen likes to foster the, the female thing, and in and, and the case of significant others, yeah, we've got, you know, a few guys that'll spend three, four nights a week here for, for four or five hours a night. And they're sitting in the other goes, what are you doing? And they're like, I'm just working on my bike. And they're like, mm-hmm, right. And it's like, well, then come down because Jen's hanging out here. And, you know, she might be doing somebody's hair. She might be working on some, some you know, working on upholstering a seat. And it's, you know, some of that stuff is kind of stereotypical girl stuff but at the same time it's still motorcycle related so it works into other things we going back to the whole douchebag uh filtering yeah the way, the way we do that is we don't allow a member because the way the way our shop is structured is you have to be a member we cannot do the the just dude coming in and wants to rent a bay for two hours. We can't do that. Um, so it's a membership thing. And if it's a yearly membership, so you can come in and pay an hourly fee, or it's a monthly membership or whatever, we have to kind of vet that person. So we always tell anybody that asks, come down, hang out, maybe have a beer, and see what the shop's about. And that gives us a feel for them, and that gives them a feel for us. I'm not sure which garage's webpage I was on, because mm-hmm. I was kind of perusing all you guys's. But uh, one of you guys had a section that caught my eye where it was like, you can hire mechanical help. We used to, like, rent a tech but people were fucking around with us, so we don't do that anymore. Now you got to pay like an hourly rate. Who that was, was that? That's us, Engine and Frame. Yeah. So that sounds like there's a story there when I saw that section. Well, yeah, it, it basically turned into people taking advantage. Like, I think one of the biggest things that you've got to look out for with this is people that don't actually want to learn anything. They just don't want to spend any money to get their bike fixed. Corey, I feel you, dude. I feel you at 100%. So we used to do, which we brought it back, and now that I haven't, I, I've really, like, reeled it in. Um, it does. We don't sell a lot of it anymore, but it used to be called Renatech, and it was basically, like, 
we would work on the bike together, but you know, my labor rates net 95 an hour and I was fixing people's bikes for 45 an hour and they weren't learning shit. Mm. And I got into an argument with some douchebag hippie kid with a fucking CB 350 <laughs> fucking garbage, you know, and God damn it. Where I was just beating my head against this thing all day. And then when I rang him up, he wanted to argue with me about price. And I was like, you know what? And that was the fuck. That was the fucking end of it. And, and now uh, it's called adult supervision. And I told him to get his patchouli stank out of my fucking face. Wait, wait, wait. So he was doing the rent a tech. Let's work on it together. But he wasn't there. No, he was there, but he wasn't like he didn't learn anything. He wasn't. Okay. Attention. You know what I mean? You could just see yeah. like, the dull look in his fucking head. You know what I mean? <laughs> like. Yeah, yeah, dude, Corey, I fired that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Are yeah. you done yet? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it, and it was really, it was, and, and, I, and then I, you know, I started to think back, you know what I mean? Then it, like, kind of, like, starts registering. It's like, these people don't give a shit. You know, they don't. They they just don't want to spend the money to get it fixed, and it, and it like, yeah, so I, I got rid of that. How are you handling it now? Uh, I don't, I don't touch it. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll basically point. hold your hand the entire time, but you're doing it. You know? well, do, do you, uh, okay, do you use so, hand lotion? So. Are your hands soft? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Moisturize the hands. Do you shave but... down the calluses? Because that's important. Yeah. Okay, I, so so this is an important point, I think, that I need to make as straight out. I am the highest per month rate out of all of the CMGs. I get to Well, you're in San month. Diego. Yes. Yeah. I I get two fifty a month, and a couple of the other CMGs in our group that that Brian has has taken upon to to uh, mentor or to moderate. A couple of shops have actually messaged me and said, "How the fuck can you do two hundred and fifty dollars a month?" That's why you have well, older demographic. Yeah, that's the older demographic that'll pay well, for that. Well, it is, it is, but also. It also on um, weeds out the douchebags. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right about yeah, that. Yeah. Um, yeah, higher expectations. Absolutely. And to go with what Corey was saying, you know, you get the kid that comes in and he didn't want to spend any money. Well, you know what? That two hundred and fifty dollar a month. Yeah, that kind of weeds that kid out anyway. And uh, I do the same thing. I get a hundred and five an hour for everything that I do. But if you are a member, you get forty five dollars an hour. And I have had that same thing that Corey was talking about where somebody would come in and say, oh, well, you know, I want you to do this. And I'm sitting there trying to teach this kid and he's on his damn cell phone and he's watching a YouTube video and he's not paying a damn bit of attention. It's like, no, dude, I'm not doing this for you. I'm trying to show you how to do this. And if you're not into it, then there's the door. Here's your 30 days back, get out. Now, do you guys find that you as uh, owners slash mechanics are more involved helping the individual members or are the members helping each other more? Oh. We we actually have both here. Um, my membership is really good with helping each other out. We have some guys that, like, one of one of my guys is an elevator mechanic, and he's he's all up in everybody's shit. He wants to help everybody. <laughs> No pun uh, he, he, he's, our, he's, our, he's our CB750 long bike aficionado, dude. He owns like 15 of these fucking things. 
and it doesn't matter what you're working on. He he comes in and he gets all up in your shit. The way it works out is our our community that we've built in the San Diego shop is everybody likes to work with everybody else. And if you get somebody that doesn't want to do their job, doesn't want to help, I got 15 people standing behind me saying, yeah, dude, um, that's not how it works. So I hear Matt coming in. Yeah, it's 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 nerds in Chicago. (laughs) Yeah, it's nerds in Chicago. So so obviously, you know, nerding it out a little bit, liability comes into mind, right? And a part Mm -hmm. of opening a CMG is, you know, you got your lawyer, you've got your accountant. One of the things as a motorcycle repair shop is if you touch it, it's your, you know, essentially your liability. So there is a delicate balance we have to draw whenever we we help someone work on their bike. I find that most people are very, they they want to do it. They want to do it themselves. We're we're essentially covering that 30 to 40% skill gap. They may understand 60, 70%. We close that gap for them. Um, But at the same time, keeping hands off is difficult. I, from my perspective, I more or less swat the wrench out of the guy's hand when he's turning it backwards versus um, turn it, turn it for him. But it's tough when you, you know, th- I think we're all in agreement that the environment we want to create is one in which your neighbor can, can kind of give you advice and help you lift your engine out. And that's what we want to happen. But at the same time, bad advice is, is, is around. So it's kind of, I don't want to use the word babysitting, but we do, do, you have to be on your toes because it's, it's, it, it doesn't take much to, to thread a bolt or to uh, snap off a spark plug or, or over-torque. Oh. <laughs> Matt, 100%, dude. I mean, I'm in here from 10 a.m. until 9 p.m. every night, and really big way. Uh, as an example, I had the CEO of Motul USA in the shop yesterday for almost two hours, and he asked me about how this whole thing works. And I told him I'm a professional babysitter. Yeah, I know. I think you're right, man. I think, you know, what I what I tell people, my what I'm selling you is I've broke thousands of things over 16, 16 years to become the mechanic I am today. My goal is you to break one tenth of that and to get to my skill level. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So so it's it's babysitting. It's 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 walking through the project. Now, it does get you know, it can be frustrating at times when someone kind of goes off on their own and then they, they get lost because. Part of being a mechanic is being, you know, spatially aware of what you're doing, and you know, a good a good mechanic or a good budding mechanic is careful what pieces go where. And if, if someone you turn around, they've got 30 pieces on the table, and, and they just throw their hands up, it could be frustrating. Um, <laughs> and that does happen, and that does happen every now and then. But yeah, I mean, it's when you when you're at the shop, it is a ob- observant job for sure. The way I treat it as well is a, a good mechanic also understands from his mistakes. So if you do break something, like, say, simply an oil pan bolt, what did you do wrong and how are you going to fix it? Don't do that again. Absolutely. I mean, I think we all learn that way, right? We get that, that spidey sense whenever something's going wrong, something's tightening the wrong way or it feel, feels wrong. And that is a skill you just have to develop sometimes through through the, the pain and frustration of breaking stuff. Absolutely. So so I, I'm curious I'm curious to how as we go further east, how, how's the babysitting as we go further east in, in Cleveland and Richmond? I don't do any babysitting in Cleveland. I don't <laughs> I if I've got uh, everyone's bagging on the hipsters, but I fucking love the hipsters. They're always very cool to me. They're always willing to learn. 
And, you know, they come in and some of them don't even know which way to turn the screwdriver to tighten and loosen the screw, but they're willing to learn. And so I, you know, I'll show them a couple things and I'll say, you know, don't show up here unless you have the manual and get on your phone and get on my Wi-Fi, watch some videos. I'll check up on you every 20 minutes, half hour, yell for me if you need a hand. Some dudes fuck things up, but that is the way to learn. And I, I don't have the same... Maybe it's because I'm not a mechanic and I never have been, but the frustration that Corey and Dave are getting from all the hand holding and babysitting and people fucking shit up, I'm just not I'm not having that, that same issue. Okay, this is actually really interesting. Brian says, um, I'm not a mechanic. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, the other guys are talking about they are. What are you, Brian? Uh I was a high school teacher and then I got laid off and went into software and then went back to high school teaching. And then when I finally got pretty burnt out, I finally did what I've been waiting to do since 1995 and opened the garage. How did you get into the garage? Was it just always like this kind of passion kind of thing that, you know, was lurking in the back of your head the way Todd is scribbling right now furiously on his paper? Uh, It was, you know, I was introduced to, I had no Volkswagen. You have old cars when you're dead poor, you know, and you have to learn how to fix them yourself. And so you have friends that show you and you have mechanics that help you. And then eventually I, it, you know, I was living in Los Angeles where there's a billion cars, but only like 40 garages. And so I thought if, I, if there was something cool where you could pull your car in and put it on a lift and there was some mechanic on duty that would help you out if you needed help. And that was in 95. I was 24. And I was like, then I'm just going to. Todd, this eight. is you. This is like the shade tree mechanic dude who went and opened his own garage. Just got burned out with regular work and opened yeah. the garage. This yeah. is you, Todd. And so, yeah, eventually I just I just held on to the dream as long as I possibly could and saved tools up from garage sales and finally just quit the job and resigned myself to working like part-time at Home Depot if I could open the garage and just did it. And, man, I'm poor as fuck. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think what, what – I mean, you're either, you're either poor as fuck financially or, or time-wise – I think, you know, Chuck, what what you're saying about, or Todd, you said you wanted to do something like this. It's, I, I took the approach, and it's a little different than these other guys, is we're only open on weekends. You know, I've I've actually huh. kept my 9 to 5. Um, my wife and I both work 9 to 5. So I work, you know, the 40 to 50 hours a week at work, Monday through Friday, and then I work the 25 to 30 hours at, on, on the weekends at the shop. Um, Holy crap. And, yeah, and in part due to the not wanting the, the financial stress um, and, and essentially trading that in for the time stress. So and, 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 and part of that comes with the fact that the acclimation of the shop to the community takes a bit longer as well because we're not open as much. So I think there's a, like another topic here is how each of these, these guys, essentially some switch the, the light switch and some like myself are seeing this as kind of like a gradual succession. Well, Dave is 24-7 here. Um, but our hours are actually 12 to 9 every day except Wednesday. But for me, I actually have two other jobs. So I work two other jobs, plus I do this one, and I have two. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's you've got to make – with what I tell people who are interested in doing this, I'm like, keep your day job. I mean, you, you've got to be able to – it's not a moneymaker right away. It's San Diego, so everyone works a second job anyways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <You> can't eat. <laughs> That's why everyone is an Uber driver. Actually, all here, they're Uber and Lyft drivers in one. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. So I got a, a kind of a, a fun question. How many of you guys are hiding bikes for other people right now in your garages? 
Define hiding bikes. What do you mean by hiding bikes? <laughs> hiding bikes from significant others, parents, questionable bosses. sources. <laughs> my dad. My dad can't find out I bought a bike, man. Okay. Okay. So, so, so my my personal my personal blanket statement my personal blanket statement on that is when I die, I hope to God. My biggest fear is that my wife, Jen, is going to sell my bikes, but I told her I paid for them. <laughs> I just I just want to give a, a quick shout-out to Progressive on this one. I don't know if you guys are aware. They did up their policy to allow more than four motorcycles on the policy. I'm currently at, I think, six. So I kind of shuffle them between the personal garage and the and the, uh, the, the shop. You know, so, so he's I, hiding his own bikes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know. I, I end up picking one up a month, so on the next month. But no, I haven't. No one in Motor Garage has brought it in the shop to to um, chop it up yet, you know, and, and sell it to questionable. Yeah, you know. even that. Sometimes you know, you just pick something up, and you you don't want to tell other people about it right away because reasons. I don't think we have anybody doing that, but that's a great marketing scheme, and I'm going to get right on that. <laughs> we do have one guy right now who. The bike that's in here, it's quote-unquote the shop bike. So he comes in to help the uh -huh. shop bike. That's good so thinking. Yeah. So whenever he orders parts, he's like, no, honey, no, no, no. That's for the shop bike. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm going to start that. It's going to be my, you know, my I ain't no snitch policy. Yeah. <laughs> How many bikes are here? Uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know who that guy is. <laughs> that one we don't put a name on it because all our bikes have clipboards according to who they you know uh members bike or who their names is so that one actually does say shop bike it doesn't say his name on it just in case she stops by one day <laughs> shop bike not dave's yeah. <laughs> yeah i'm pretty sure brian's gonna get like a barber's chair put into his garage so that uh -huh. the, all the hipsters can come and one stop you know, repair. Well, not, honestly, if they're the, if they're the ones who come and they actually ride the bikes and fix the bikes, I love them. I have I that's like one third of every class I teach. These and they days. have hair care needs. Yes. And, you know, <laughs> it's important to them. Well, I, and it brings up the point of so now, you guys you guys are there. You're at the you're at the bleeding edge of the the new motorcycling world. So, what do you think is coming next in motorcycling? What's the next big thing? So, so on that, you know, obviously we're we're coming up two year anniversary October. I say obviously because everyone's following us. Um, <laughs> whenever we joined it, like this this band of brothers and sisters, so to speak, for this motorcycle, we, we, uh, it's called the No Collar Collective. I'm not quite sure who came up with that that name, uh, but Brian. Time, was it was it Brian? Yeah, excellent, excellent yes. uh, name. At the time, you know, a year and a half ago, I think I was. We, we had this Excel sheet of the 26. You guys asked how many how many shops CMGs are kind of in the you know out there. We know we have 26 banded in our group according to our Excel sheet of contacts. At the time when uh, Motogrudge joined, this is uh, I'd say about a year ago, Brian. I don't know, give or take. We were number seven or eight, um, and now it's at 26. So it's almost like I lifted my head up, um, and all of a sudden another 20 or so. And of that, I think what would you say, Brian? Five to six started this year. 2017 is the start. So yeah. I think Brian could probably speak best to the to the trend in the CMGs, but I definitely think there's something here. There's definitely something here, and it's growing, and it's growing at a very rapid clip. Uh, and I don't think it's people all of a sudden wanting to, to quit their day jobs and start a CMG, which I think all of us have that passion. 
I think it's something that's missing in the motorcycle community. I think we've lost our way in regards to riding, you know, motorcycle is it's more commercial versus versus the passion and what drove us and what, what, what we want out of it and what we get out of it and the community we need to be around in. So it's a reaction, although I don't know why and I don't know the trend. But it is interesting to see it grow. <laughs> Matt, when you come to San Diego, I'm fucking hooking you up with an entire keg. Fuck you. <laughs> we actually you know so, Garage actually brewed our own beer it is a it is a um a white white beer and it is delicious but we have our own recipe so i may actually swap one out for you oh wow that would be cool but i don't have uh, for that brew kind off. of shit <laughs> brew <laughs> off brew <laughs> off wow so so am i here uh, let me see, make sure i'm hearing this right you guys are the next big thing I think so. I, yeah. I think we are so far on the bleeding edge that there, yeah, I, I think, I truly believe that community garages are the next big thing. And I think in the next five years, we're going to go from 26, actually probably more like 30, because there are some that refuse to join our uh, no-collar collective. But I'll bet you in the next five years, there's going to be a couple hundred. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna second that because I mean just in the last two weeks, WD40 Corporation and Motul USA are 100% behind us, and Brian can attest to that. It's it's picking up industry recognition, and and that's really cool to see because for the last you know six seven years we've been fighting an uphill battle. And when Brian contacted me, I don't know, what, four years ago, Brian? Yeah. We started gathering information on other people that were trying to do the same thing, and that's kind of where the No Collar Collective came from. It's becoming the new normal, where people buy the bike and they work on it themselves. For the last, I don't know, 10 years or so, almost all the OEMs were like, nope, our our bike, the way you buy it is perfect. Fuck you. You don't work on it. You don't mod it. Nothing. We're going to void your warranty. And then BMW, two years ago, come out with R9T, and they start giving it to people like me and Brian and Corey, and they're like, hey, fuck with this. What are you going to come up with? Now Yamaha's doing it. Now KTM's doing it. Now a whole bunch of other people are doing it, and they're starting to get onto back to the basics of Honda back in the 70s with their owner's manual saying this here, here's a toolkit on the bike and this is how you work on it yeah. so i think it's really starting to circle back around to the self-sufficient motorcycle rider not biker but motorcycle rider, where you have to maintain your own shit. You have to do your own thing. And if you want to customize it, cool. We're good with that. And that's where the aftermarket sprung up in the 70s. And that's where that's where SNS got its start, for, for Christ's sake. You know, back in the AMF days, Harley couldn't keep up with keeping these bikes on the road. So SNS popped up. And said, "Well, we can make parts to make these bikes work." Well, Harley couldn't design a carburetor to save their fucking lives. Well, that's, that's <laughs> true as well. 
I mean, and that's but, that's really how SNS got started. It's not like they designed a better one, though. It just it just happened to work. That's Hi, Ted. <laughs> exactly. You know, and that's why we love Honda, Hondas. You know, when people come in, it's like, well, what kind of bike should I get? You know, I want I love the old bikes. So it's like, get a nice bike. I mean, for Honda carries for, all their parts. Still. For for fuck's sake, right now, I've got uh, one of my members has got a 1971 CB 450 twin cam. A, do, a DOHC 450. Most of the hard parts we bought from Honda. They're not aftermarket. They are actual Honda parts. This is why the whole community. You get on Craig. You get on uh, Cafe Racer of Instagram. You get on Bike Exif. You get on Pipe Burn. And they they lament that you know there's all these CBs running around and oh how how trite CBs are. The reason why is because Honda still supports bikes from the 60s and 70s. Nobody else does that. Seems like the whole community garage movement is almost like uh, a, another branch of the, of the whole sharing economy thing. Like ride sharing, BM, Airbnb. Oh no, absolutely. Community garage, yeah, absolutely. tool sharing, open source, knowledge sharing. Yeah, the, the, the sharing thing goes into something that we've been talking about at Cerberus for a couple, three years now, and I'm probably going to actually implement it here in the next sixty days. Um, I have a member that comes in riding something, and he wants to do. A basic maintenance or a or a nose to tail maintenance, and we run into a problem where we got to order a part that's going to take two weeks to get. Okay, so that's his only transportation because that's what we get in San Diego. We get a lot of these younger guys, even older guys, 30, 35, and they've decided they're going to do the motorcycle thing only because it makes sense here. We have legal lane splitting in California. So fuck all y'all, but you come in with your only bike and your bike is not going to walk out the doors unless I feel personally that it is 100%, right? So we're working on right now getting two or three bikes that we own, we insure, everything else that we're going to rent and they are going to be vintage Hondas. Uh, last question. What would be like the one piece of advice you guys would give to someone who wants to start a community garage? Say Todd. And let's start with Brian. Holy shit. I've written so <laughs> many emails to so many people asking me that question. Uh, and now I am kind of blanking on. We can come back yeah, to you. Yeah, it's like, hey, it's like when you don't know what to order. Hey, hey, Bri- hey Brian, we can tag team on this. What, what advice I've, been, I've given, it, it sounds like you've been approached by equally a number of people, if not more, I'm sure more, but is you have to have the passion to get to the bullshit. So whenever you create a business, especially a venture like this, it, because it's so niche, I mean, it took us six months to get insurance. I mean, we got I got laughed off the phone more times than I can count. I don't know how many insurance providers I called and how many rabbit holes I chased. But essentially, you're working for free. You're working for free for thousands of hours of time. You're you're learning aspects of business creation that you never thought you'd even want to dabble in. So your passion for creating a motorcycle community like this has to exceed the bullshit and the the, the saturation level of bullshit you want to endure. So 
the accounting, the, the, the legalese, the, the insurance, be, be, be prepared to be humbled. You know, you're, you're going you're gonna to think you're coming out with this idea that is 100% original and you feel it's going to take off. And it's very easy to get discouraged. So you have to reshape your projections and assess what your end goal is at a continual basis and, and essentially be elastic in terms of what your vision and the scope of it is and, and kind of let it grow organically. I know like Brian, for example, he's and as it's neat to see some of these shops have humble beginnings and grow to these you know massive, uh, I don't know, Brian, you say 5,000 square feet, that's ridiculous. But some of these shop sizes are, are terrific and they, they started by being humble in the tools they provide and, and not trying to provide everything at once. It's trying to live in their means a little bit. So one bit of advice is join the network because guys like Matt, the second he joined, he supplied everybody with a PDF of every manual that's ever existed. And it was, and you know, I, even though he asked, Hey, download these things from the thumb drive I just sent you and then send the thumb drive. I'm sitting on the thumb drive right fucking now because I just never got around to sending it. Matt, I'm so sorry that I never. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. I, I, I will throw that one out there as well. And I'm sorry I'm busting into the three-minute thing. But, Matt, yes, dude, you are a fucking god on that. Thank you. But the other bit. Fucking uh, yeah, thank God for the Right to Repair Act. The other, the other bit of advice that most people that email me get stuck on is they can't find a building that they can afford, and everyone thinks they need to buy the building. And even if they can't buy it, they can't find uh, affordable rent. And the only reason I exist is because I was willing to relocate in a really shitty part of town. And if you find an old warehouse, especially in the Rust Belt, all these warehouses that have been sitting empty for 10, 15 years – you know, they're not going to have water. They're not going to have gas. They're going to have a lot of the copper has been stolen. And if you're willing to put yourself in a shitty area of town, it's the only way you're going to survive for the first year or two if you don't have a day job, which I no longer have. That's my, my biggest – I guess my biggest thing that I tell people is be ready to look for a building in a, you know, kind of a sketchy area like Richmond. I got. I got <laughs> that's right. Here, I got. I got all the advice. Uh, uh, fuck! I just forgot what it was. Oh. Now, 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 Corey, Corey, you guys, you guys aren't in Shaco Bottom, are you? Yes, we are. Yeah, we're pretty. Oh, oh, okay. We're pretty close to Shaco Bottom. Yeah. Close to the jail. Oh, we're right by the jail, which I, I always tell people, have you had the pleasure? Um, and I'm like, it's the, you know, by the new jail. And they look at me, where's the new jail? Like the and, I'm like, and I'm like, I've never been to the new jail. I only old one. So this is the fucking new one, people. So, if you're going to do this, you have to, uh, you have to be, you have to have balls. And, and, and you've got to be a little stupid. It doesn't mean that you need to be a dude either. And yeah, you don't have to be a dude, but you just, you gotta, you gotta just, you gotta, you gotta like, because basically, you know, the first six months after uh, that shop's opened, if, if your balls haven't dropped, they're going to, someone's going to come up and just yank them for you and, and you're going to be terrified and uh, you got to be able to make it through that really. Cause I, I spend a lot of time being terrified and then a lot of time not being terrified, but more so being terrified. That, that everything is, uh, it's, it's a scary thing, man. 
you're so like reliant on other people and uh, trying to convince people that, that they need this. Like Matt was saying, trying to convince somebody that they need something that's never existed before. That is a, a huge fucking gamble. So you get you got to be ready to roll them dice, you know. I roll a lot of dice. You know what I'm saying? I dropped a lot of balls. Drop. So over in the sketchy part of town by the university, yeah. San Diego, take us out. Wow. Uh, number one, you have to have a passion for it uh, because it's the only way this works. You you have to be that guy. You it can't be just a oh, I think this would be cool and let's open a spot and expect the droves to come in because it doesn't happen. Like Brian said, find a cheap shithole someplace because your reputation will bring the people to your shop. If they're getting something out of it, that'll bring even more people to your shop. We happen to be up near San Diego State University, which is in one of the highest rent areas of town. We managed our current spot to get to 86 cents per square foot. Almost everything in San Diego is a $1.50 to $2 a square foot. This Cerberus is my life. Cerberus is me. And one thing we tell people that ask about it, too, I mean, since we've been doing this for six-plus years, it's like you got to be crazy to be able to do this this long. But you have to have the passion. And we love our people. We love the community. And it's about that. It's about the community. It's it's about meeting everyone every day and getting to know them. And we're, we're not into this to make money. No. We're into this to make sure that we have people that we can go and ride with on Sunday. All right. Well, thank you all for being on. That's Brian from Skidmark Garage in Cleveland, Corey and Lori from Engine and Frame in Richmond, Virginia, Dave and Jen from Cerberus in San Diego, Woo, San Diego, <laughs> and Matt from Moto Garage in Schamburg. Thank you all so much for fuck being the on chargers. the show tonight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fuck yeah, fuck the Chargers. <laughs> Thanks That's a lot, right. guys. Fuck the Chargers. Thank you. And, wow. I I uh, I'm just gonna say not everyone from San Diego talks like that. Uh-huh. That's fine. That's cool. That's cool. Now, I, I, I... We kind of talk more like this. Mm-hmm. I know. I don't... And I, don't I just know. want to say, you know, dude, <laughs> that uh, uh, that was a real good inter- inter- roundtable. That I'm was glad, a pretty kick-ass roundtable. I'm glad we could get all of them on. I'm really thrilled we could get all of them on. I, uh, I got And say, I really enjoyed talking to all those people. <laughs> God damn it, Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm just kidding, guys. <laughs> Chuck just feels like home. He's like, I'm home. Uh, <laughs> These are my uh, people. Uh, my people have arrived. <laughs> so the thing, the big thing, the big thing is, I went into that. I'm like, ooh, ooh, I'd love to do one of these. And then they're all talking about like, you know, like working two passion, jobs. Work two jobs. I'm like, <laughs> you know, here's the thing: is I am really lazy. <laughs> yeah, when it's, when uh, the thing Matt said he was still working his full time. Monday through Friday job and doing this on the weekends. Yeah, I'm like, that sounds. I saw your face fall. <laughs> like a lot of work. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really quite late. I mean, really, <laughs> very lazy, extremely lazy. Yeah. I mean, 
Yeah, lazy. That's yeah. mad lazy. I don't think uh, mad lazy would work with any that of doesn't any s- of those seem guys. To jive with it. Yeah. On the flip side of that, I, it's interesting that the you know the the oil people and other manufacturers are starting to sort of notice these these this lunatic fringe. See, that's where I'm like, I, I really was kind of th- wondering mm-hmm. if. You know, we, we kind of talked about whether they're the next big thing or, mm-hmm. or the, is the industry as a whole taking notice of them? Mm-hmm. But are they really the people the manufacturers are trying to get to? If it's, if it's their base, if their community are people who are bringing in bikes, mm-hmm. wanting to extend their lives, mm-hmm. extend the longevity oh, of the bike. Oh, versus just go get a new one. Versus just go get a new one. They're bringing in a bike that's 10 years old, 5 years old, 15 years old. So here's, here's the thing. And this is, this is the thing which is kind of a constant problem in the motorcycle world. And Harley is, I mean, take a look at what Harley's spending their money on right now. Because half of Harley's demo- most of well, most of Harley's demographic is going to die. I mean, straight up. Yeah, because like, motorcycles are dangerous. Well, no. no. <laughs> yeah, you can crash them uh, in a parking in lot. In a parking lot, if you do something stupid. Uh, you see? <laughs> That'll teach you. Don't be me, kids. Kids, do what I say, not what I do. Um, but no, no, Harley's main demographic is old. Is straight is up aging out. They're aging out. Yeah. And that's a problem because their big profit center is in those big bikes. And you know who's not buying those? <laughs> it's all the new riders. New riders, yeah. They're not buying those things. Like yeah. there's a few, but like by and large, I don't know what people are buying. No. And they're, they're running scared. So on the one hand, I can see where the manufacturers want to sell like the new high profit Gixxer, the new, like the brand new FC09, the, you know, insert your favorite, you know, decent profit margin bike here, which is not the low end. But if there aren't riders when they get far enough in their life to be able to afford one of those, well, you're screwed, son. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, there's, there's, there's on the one hand, the, the, the high profit items on the flip side, you got to like make riders. I mean, okay. Case in point, the MSF, you know, who pays for the MSF, right? The manufacturers. The manufacturers pay for the MSF because yeah. they need to make customers. Like yeah. straight up. We encourage more people to ride. <laughs> the reason MSF has a three-wheeled BRC, which, by the way, like everybody was asking me about. And I was like, yeah, uh, I've read the MSF's three-wheeled BRC, and it's only for three-track vehicles. And you know the reason they have that? Not because they give a damn about three-track vehicles, necessarily. There's no mm-hmm. particular... I mean, it's, no, it's not market, right? Okay. Can-Am gave them a lot of money. Mm. Mm-hmm. There you go. So, got to have a got to have a three-wheeled version. Um can ams on the council. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, they, they bought their way into the, the, the council, so they did it. But it's that's a big part of what they're doing. How do you how do you make more customers? It was interesting that uh Dave and Jim were pointing out that uh Honda still makes parts for all of their old bikes. That is cool. And as they were saying that I was actually thinking of the uh, the shitbag Elite fifty that mm-hmm. I had. Mm-hmm. Um it was the one with the spree motor and uh I could actually get the piston rings. From to, Honda. I had to get them from Honda in Japan, and it took like a week and a half to arrive. Right. Like, I could get them. I'm all like, you know, I wonder if it's still a factory making it, or if it's like an old dude that they keep in the back somewhere. Hero, and Hero, get in then, here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> every now and then, they're like, make this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking round eye. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking tight pants round eyes. <laughs> 
That is, that's pretty cool, though. Yeah. But you could you could still get parts like that. That is that is wild. Suzuki has a degree of that available. Coming from a Buell rider, that that's amazing. Well, yeah, the Buell, <laughs> yeah. Well, no, <laughs> no. I'm I'm betting I'm betting what's happening now though is that the 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 Ulysses owners, because you know the other Buells are loved, but let's be honest, the people who have Ulysses and ride the wheels off them, like cold dead fingers, right? Yeah. Um, I'm betting the Ulysses riders are starting to get creative now. Like we've we've come out to the rim where they're starting to get like clever about ways you can put on fab up a piece to put a regular sportster part in in a place. Do a you know oh well what you can do is here's the here's the plan you're gonna have somebody CNC this bit. Yeah, things are things are getting creative. Yeah, that's kind of why I got out. Yeah, <laughs> maybe if I had a community garage. Yeah, with if only other there was a, Buell guys in it. Right. You'd be set. You'd yeah, be just, like, then you could wait until they were distracted or watching TV and steal their parts. <laughs> Hi, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> so we got some uh, mail. Yay, mail. Yay. So the first one is we have a voicemail from Creative Writing. Hey, wheel nerds. It's your buddy at Creative Writing. And this call is for Chuck. Hey, Chuck. I heard you guys talking about how I beat you at the Motorcycle Podcasters Challenge. Oh yeah, it's true. 13 more miles and I would have beat the Motorcycle Man too. But uh, that cute little admin over there, Natalie, at the Motorcycle Podcasters Challenge, she told me I rode enough, so um, I just, I kind of quit. I kind of quit riding, you know, so. Um, hey, hey Todd, uh, good job on the show by the way, buddy. Uh, oh yeah, Chuck. <laughs> well, I heard you're going to get in a slap fight. Slap fight with the best. Well, guess what? I'm going to slap you. Yeah, Jennifer Big Butt. I'm going to slap you right on your big butt. Oh, yeah. I've been doing deadlifts and curls, my man. Last month alone, I deadlifted 30 pounds 150 times. That's 4,500 pounds, Chuck. This month, I'm curling 12 pounds 100 times. That's 3,600 pounds. How much do you weigh, Chuck? Huh? How confident are you that you could curl 3,600 pounds? Altogether, that's 7,600 pounds of whoop-ass coming down on your butt, Jennifer Big Butt. I'll see you at IMS when I spank your big butt. <clears throat> bye, bye, Todd. That's, that's impressive, Larry. I lifted 40,000 pounds last week. Bring it. Isn't that your normal weight a hundred times? <laughs> and <laughs> just saying, <laughs> if only if only you had been there when the TU landed on me. <laughs> That's really what I needed you and your little bellhop cap to come running out from behind the trailer. Yep, you didn't you didn't ring the bell. My bad. Ding ding. Little bell cap. Yep. They're like, it's like 40 degrees out here. Why isn't he wearing a shirt? (laughs) (laughs) I really wish I was wearing a shirt. I'll be honest. You got to do like the the dinosaurs or the Flintstones. Nipples hurt. Yeah, it's a living. (laughs) No, it's not. You're not paying me. (laughs) My nipples hurt so badly. (laughs) Ow. 
All right. Rob writes to us, hello from Holland. Just wanted to say hi. <laughs> badass. <laughs> With a mall smell of dick, dick, dick. From the <laughs> Netherlands. You talk often about the Urals being a wee bit shabby, but regular, quote, BMWs, since model R1100RT onward, are not that great either. I'm up to my neck with small and bigger issues. Nice bikes, but poorly built. I had an R1100RT, but had to sell due to cancer. I could no longer lift the bike. Too heavy. Now, heaving an R1200RT. Rode it three times after my treatment, but rain and green moss is not good for too long. Keep the smiles and laughs coming. Too many uptight people in this world. Enjoy. Never with any restrictions. By the way, suggestions for the next song. But, 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 buts. Buts, buts, buts. Buts, buts. Buts. Doesn't have, doesn't, doesn't. Buts, buts, buts. Doesn't flow as well. You're going to call me at 7 o'clock in the morning again. We'll we'll see how it goes. I was having trouble lifting my R1100, so I got a larger bike. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. Have you considered a sidecar? Because that R1200 RT uh, sidecar is up very nicely. Mm. Throw a hand again. Oh, God, you don't even need to throw a hand again. You have EML there. Oh, my God, dude, go get a sidecar. You have all the cool sidecar manufacturers right nearby. He could get a Zeus. He could get a Zeus. He could get a Zeus. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Dave N. writes, have you heard of 47 Moto and the bug-themed motorcycles? Nope. The Mosquito, Firefly, and Dragonfly. Oh, yeah, those. What or is there a connection to or partnership with Eric Buell? Nope. Perhaps being built in Minnesota, but with ties to Argentina, Milwaukee, and McWango, Wisconsin. Where is that original Buell Quonset hut again? Yep. McWango, Wisconsin. Hmm. I didn't know any of that. Hmm. Are there also ties to Cleveland Cycle Works with Bruce Belfer having received the shaft part of the EBR gold mine purchase attempt? That means he lost the auction. Mm. Uh, jointly manufacturing motorcycles with uh, Cleveland Cycle Works. Okay. Mm. Mike, I'm going to mess that up. Mike Samarja mm. from 47 Moto um, is the lead of a team of talented people bringing a new American motorcycle to market. But I understand that he was also the genius design lead behind the beautiful lines of the Buell S2 Thunderbolt. Hmm. Get Mike from 47 Moto on your show immediately. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Conspiracy theory and an interview suggestion. Yeah. That sounds Mm -hmm. cool to me. You know what I heard? What'd you hear? I heard that what's actually going on behind the scenes is Eric Buell is now working with Suzuki in order to bring back the Bandit line into its new lifetime. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the 1250, the 1250. Are you being for real? Oh, yeah, totally. The bandit's coming back. Also, the old school katana that looks like a spaceship. Yeah, yeah, totally going to be a thing now. What? You're fucking with me. I'm totally making <laughs> Well, the reason I know this is because the letter B appears several times oh in a brochure. It's a code, Chuck. You have to know what to look for. Oh I have God. peeled back the veil. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, th- I thought we were peeling back the veil in the shadow economy. Oh, yeah, well, it could be that, that too. too. <laughs> Next. Next. Alex writes, Hey, Chuck and Todd. I live on Oahu and have a couple bikes and some gear if Chuck wants to ride while he's out here. Fully legal, licensed, and insured. Will not steal your kidneys. <laughs> R9T Scrambler and a red Thruxton R. Uh, I wasn't on Oahu, but 
I next time I go, I'm I'm keeping. I'm oh yes, tucking his email away. Put that away because <laughs> I already had blessings to go ride a bike if I wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, our last one is from Stacy. Mm-hmm. I've come across your Instagram and would like to introduce you to a new startup which I think you might be interested in. Uh, Self made helps creatives, influencers, uh, and small business owners like yourself develop their online persona through personalized image editing. Image editing. As each Instagram has its own voice and story, we want to learn more about your online brand so we can best help you achieve your goals are you up for a quick chat let me know when you're free ladies i'll be always be throwing themselves at the chuck especially spam ladies (laughs) spam fake ladies what's weird is that she listed my instagram account as opposed to the wheel nerds instagram account yes yes she did (laughs) because i am sure this is not a trap ladies always be throwing themselves at the chuck Mm mm-hmm the Chuck. I'm gonna. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to burst your bubble a little here. No, Chuck. What? There is not. Nor indeed has there ever been a Stacy. Ever. Ever. I've known Stacys. No, you haven't. Stacy is not a thing. Stacy is a product of the fevered imagination of you and a spam marketer. <laughs> Stacy's a real person. No. I could go to Facebook right now and find a Stacy. I reckon you probably could. But do you actually know if it's a real Stacy? They can't all be fake. Obviously, they can. No, they can't. What all is this? Fake. You and conspiracies. All Stacy. Is, is she part of Eric Buell's master plan, too? It's because it, her name begins with an S the same way Suzuki does? I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> That's it. It all makes sense now, Chuck. All makes sense. Hey, painkillers are great, by the way. <laughs> I, this all seems reasonable. Yeah. 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 Okay. What have you learned this week, Chuck? I gotta go. Um, I've learned a way that it's all connected. It's all connected like the shadow economy. Mm-hmm. I gotta call an Uber right now. <laughs> or a Lyft. It's all connected. It's all connected. That's all we got time for this week. Until next time, I'm Todd. And I'm Chuck. Ride safe, everyone. We'll see you next time. And don't show off. <laughs> you can contact us at wheelnerds at gmail.com or leave us a message at area code 801-917-4136. Record an intro for our show of you and your bike, and maybe it'll be on a future show. Stickers and other merchandise is available at our website, www.wheelnerds.com. If you use iTunes or Stitcher, please leave a review for us. Hell, write our URL on bathroom walls if it helps. If you like this podcast, you can find more like it at wheelnerds.com. This has been a Wheelnerds production, all rights reserved. Readings from other sources are the property of their respective owners and are used with satirical intent. Okay, Todd, that's bullshit. Just because the one dude is from Chicago and the other dude is from San Diego, uh-huh. that has nothing to do with how fast they're talking or how slow the other one I might deny be talking. Everything. Stop looking at me. <laughs> hey, dude, like, man, just... That's, that's how we way. talk in San Diego. That's how normal people talk. <laughs> it's not this constant stream of consciousness run-on bullshit. <laughs>